This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. He's back. I'm, I'm back. Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for February 21st, episode 2866. Good morning, horse people. I have good news and bad news for you on this Monday morning. First, the bad. It's Monday. But the good news is really good. Jamie and Glenn are here to guide you through another week filled with horse talk and a whole lot of fun. Welcome to Horses in the Morning. Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. I am so glad I missed a week where nothing in the horse world happened. Nah, nothing in the world happened. No, so you're good. no you're controversy, good. nothing. It was a, it looked like a perfect week. You did have a good week on the shows, though. According to the focus group, your shows went well. Um, thanks, boss. I'm glad that you're checking <laughs> up on me with a focus group. Well, there's gone. a focus group, so I look at that, but I, I, I can honestly say I did not listen to the shows. I apologize. That's okay. I don't listen to you when I'm not here. So no, fine. <laughs> <laughs> we barely listen to us when we are here. So. I know, right? <laughs> We do have a jam-packed show today, though. We get an update on the World Equestrian Center from Director of Operations Vinnie Card, and they are our new title sponsor for Mondays. So we're welcoming, welcoming the World Equestrian Center. I was over there last week. We met Kim and Ray, some of our auditors over there, and had lunch and uh, hung out and watched some jumping. We also have para rider Ren Blay Zimmerman. Now, she was the one I talked about in a news story a week or two ago who's trying to get para jumping to be part of the para competitions in the United States and Canada. Right now, they only do dressage. So she's trying to get jumping as part of it, and she is a blind show jumper. So we're going to find out exactly how that works, too. I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Spotlight rider Rachel Rosenthal joins us, and she's going to give us an update on her yearling paint filly poppy. So I think this is the last of the spotlight riders for the month getting updates. So I'm looking forward to hearing about that, too. I wasn't on the show when she was on the first time, so I'm looking forward to getting caught up on that. But we, we have know a- you didn't listen, so... <laughs> I did not. So now we're going to uh, do some daily winnies and uh, get caught up. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy, happy birthday to you. <laughs> well, I have only one auditor birthday today, and that's Geraldine Gibson. Happy birthday to you. But we do have some new auditors that popped in in the last week at Deidre Ryan and Katie Deliberti. So thank you both for joining us. I noticed they posted in the auditor room already. So uh, if you want to become an auditor, just head on over to horseradionetwork.com, click on the auditor banner in the upper right-hand side, and for as little as $3 a month, you too can join the party. We had one auditor that increased their pledge, Aaron Grogan increased her pledge from 5 to $10 a month. So thank you, Aaron. We really appreciate that, too. And I have, I have more. I'm sorry. Uh, I want to thank Wendy, Lisa, and Debbie for filling in last week. Uh, I really appreciate 
it's so nice having co-hosts that we've trained over the years that uh, they can just hop in anytime and it's less work for us. We broke so. them a long time ago, yeah, exactly. so they're, they're stuck. Exactly. And also thank you to you for, for covering all of last week. And thank you to Kim and Ray. They were two of our auditors from California that were out here visiting. They were supposed to be on the cruise, didn't do that, so they did all kinds of cool things around Florida, including spending a whole day helping us paint our house. So, And Ray's six foot four, so he didn't need a ladder to reach the top of the wall. He did all the cutting in at the top because he's six The girls four. did the bottom, the boys did <laughs> exactly. the top. Exactly. He's so tall. Uh, so they, we had a good time visiting with them because we had been on a cruise with them before. And then we uh, met them for lunch the next day at the World Equestrian Center and, and had a good lunch, too. So uh, thank you to them. Also, I had several people commenting on how fast I've been talking over the last three weeks. And I have noticed that as well when editing my own shows. This is my last week of the damn steroids. So uh, hopefully my speech will slow down next week. Can't promise anything this week. I didn't realize you were speaking fast. But oh, again, when you I... listen back, it was like I was on, you know how some people listen at one and a half times speed? Uh-huh. Yeah, it sounded like that anyway. So That's I, like when my mom called me and she's like, why are you talking so fast on the podcast? I'm like, what are you talking about? She was listening at one and a half First of speed. all, I didn't know she listened. <laughs> this, was, this was a year ago, okay. so she didn't. I think she listened to one. Okay. <laughs> and I was talking too fast for her, so she quit. Well, that was probably my fault because we were both probably talking too fast. So I apologize for that. They're winding down the steroids this week, and I can uh, get back to talking normal fast instead of like a chipmunk. I like it. You keep up with me that way. I like it. And we get the show done in half the time. (laughs) True. As I sit here applying my Kentucky Performance Products lip balm... (laughs) <laughs> um, I would like to give my daily Winnie to Karen from Kentucky Performance Products. So it's, it's check this out, Glenn. It's Sunday night. And these are things that I think about in the evening when I'm sitting down, when I have time to sit and think about something other than what I'm doing. You know, so I, I, I started thinking, I'm like, okay, pink, my broodmare is due at the end of May. She's already huge. She's kind of overweight. I mean, this is like her seventh baby. I, so I, I, so basically, Pink lives this life of when I bring the horses in to feed, I also bring her in. But she doesn't go in a stall. I've got a big tub with like alfalfa and some mash and a food or food, and basically, I give her like a free choice buffet. And so she stands in there and she eats for an hour or two while everybody is in their stall eating. I work the horses and then I turn everybody out. So. I started getting concerned about her diet and her dietary needs with coming into being 21 years old and having a baby and all this. When is the baby due? May 31st. So we got a little while, but I started getting panicky. So I I just emailed Karen at Kentucky Performance Products. And I'm like, Karen, I really feel like I need to be doing something more with my horse's diet. I don't know. She's toy, blah, blah. and, And I just sent her this email. Asking what supplements maybe she could be on. And she writes me back in like a minute and a half. Like it's Sunday night. What are you doing? (laughs) She literally spends the next two hours talking to me about, well, what is she eating and how much of it and what does it weigh? And, And then she goes in and does this like whole scientific 
some sort of feed additive supplementation kind of math. I don't know. She has algorithms magic. for stuff. Yeah, Karen Magic. <laughs> and writes me back and tells me exactly what she needs to be on. It was uh, unbelievable. And I'm just like... You both need a life, by the way, if you're yeah. doing this on Sunday night. It's, it's true. It's true. I, I even told her, I was like, you can do this tomorrow. You don't have to continue to let me bother you on a Sunday night. She's like, that's okay. I don't mind. And so we're both like delving into the world of supplementation for brood mares that are senior. You know, it's just, it was about, anyway, she's so nice. She wrote this whole report on a Sunday night and sent it to me like an hour and a half after my initial question. She did like a deep dive on, on that. She's just so smart. Anyway, I just love that company because somebody else, my vet told me to get one particular supplement. And I was like, I don't want to get that one. I want to go through KPP because they have everything. And so she did. She went through all of the things that I need and, and I'll be continuing to shop from Kentucky Performance Products. So I just wanted to give and her they, daily and, winning. And I wanted to clarify too, They she doesn't do that. They don't do that. The whole company doesn't do that just for us because, you know, we know them and we're sponsored by them. They do it for anybody. Anybody. Yeah. It's, it's, it was, and it, you can just tell what a passion she has about it. You know, if you have questions about supplementation, you can email her. And she might not get back to you on a Sunday night. I just think I happened to catch her when she was a little bored. But <laughs> anyway, they do do that for everybody. So it is a fantastic company. And I just wanted to give her a little thanks and a little, my little daily Winnie. Good. Yay. Yay for Karen. Good job. I, I can't guarantee that she'll answer everybody on a Sunday night, though. We, we can't no, promise that. No, that's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I said, it is probably, I, I said, I just happened to catch her when she was bored. So. Yeah, exactly. Hey, I want to clarify. We announced something on, on Friday, but there, we need to clarify some things. Uh, there's been some questions coming up. So I joined the show on Friday for a little bit to announce the HRN Land Lovers Meetup, which is going to be at the Movement at Flag is Up Farm in uh, California in June. So if, if you if you're not a participant in the cruises and that's not something you were interested in, you wanted to do something horsey raising, and do it raising my hand. Do it on raising, land, right? Yeah. And if you want to see Jamie for the first time in person work a horse, you know, she talks about it, but we've never actually really seen her in person do it. She does really these do videos it. and that could be a stand-in double. We don't know. <laughs> so if you want to actually come see her work a horse and do some things like that, see Monty and Debbie and and all the other hosts that are going to be there. Dr. Wendy will be there. Kyle will be there. Her uh, her significant other, who's also a doctor of chiro- chiropractic. Um, Helena will be there. Templeton Thompson will be there. Jennifer and I will be there. So if you want to come and meet us all and hang out and have a weekend at the movement, uh, and if you want to hear more about that, go back to Friday's show. But uh, the link was very difficult to find. I need to talk to Debbie about marketing and actually putting it on their homepage because it took me 15 minutes to find it this morning. I will put the link in the show notes right there on your phone. It's a I long- just Googled Monty Roberts Movement 2022. And that's what I did. Yeah. And well, that was a good idea. I tried to find it on their website. That's <laughs> much of a mistake. So I will put the link there. People were having trouble finding it. I put it over in the auditor room too. It's tagged to the top. But we did have some questions that I wanted to clarify. Um, Paige said, I'm from Virginia and I can't get my horse there. Can I still participate? Clarify for everybody most people that come there don't bring a horse, right? It, for this. Correct. Thing. Okay. So there kind are- of explain that. There are plenty of horses there between the Mustangs and the transition horses. They do a lot of retraining off the track thoroughbreds there as well. So there's going to be horses to use. I mean, there's you can bring your horse if you really want to to invest. That was the time my question. I didn't know if you could. 
Yeah, you can bring your horse, okay. uh, but also you don't have to. So on Sunday, I'll be doing a clinic. Monty will be doing, uh, not a clinic, lessons, basically. Uh, Monty will be doing lessons. He's more expensive than me, as he should be. <laughs> so Monty will be doing it. I'll Jamie's doing $5, Monty's 5000 Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, it's not that much, but it is, a, it's, it's, uh, I mean, he's Monty Roberts for crying out loud. She asked me, she was like, what do you want to charge? And I was like, nowhere near what he charged. I don't know what he's charging, <laughs> but like half. I do not get that kind of, you know. Anyway, so there's private lessons that you can do on Sunday after spending Friday and Saturday watching training. It's it's just a really cool experience to be in a, in a facility like that, which is absolutely beautiful. And to be with like-minded people and, and, and people that have questions and, and are, are ready to listen and learn. And, and it's kind of, it's called the movement because it's like, it moves you. So it's a really, really awesome experience. And I hope everybody who is like, there's only like 40 tickets left. So get on there and uh, do it. Google Monty Roberts movement 2022. Or look at the link in the show notes. And the other question we had was from Mary, do we buy tickets through Monty for HRN meetup? Yes. Uh, The link that I put in there is actually the page where you can go buy your tickets. Now, we're still working out the hotel and stuff. So we have something that we only decided to do this last week. So um, we're working out the hotel. It'd be nice on the cruise before we go on the cruises we all stay in the same hotel the night before and it's kind of nice all stay in the same hotel one for rides back and forth and just hanging out together so we're going to try and get that figured out debbie's working on that so as soon as we have the details on which hotel and what the rates are and stuff we will we'll post that as well so uh there'll also be a page that will be built this week on the horse radio network website so We'll have more details for you, but you you should first worry about the details, flights, and hotel later. Get your tickets now because they will sell out. So get the ticket. We'll deal with the other stuff it's also, in the next There's month. also going to be a Templeton Thompson concert, concert on Friday yeah. night. There's, there's like a wine and cheese and thing with, with Monty does, and Pat. Does he do and, the wine and cheese in his special room? You know which one I'm talking about. I, I don't know if it's going to be in the saloon or not. I, I haven't figured it out. But I hope if, that it's in the saloon, but that's the coolest room in California right there. <laughs> It really is. It really is. I, I, he's the coolest guy in California. So it's going to be awesome. I hope everybody who wants to go can make it. And um, I think it'd be really cool. And the area is cool. If you've never been to it's north of L.A., about an hour and a half. And it, Solvang is the name of the town. And it's a Dutch, it's a Dutch replica town, right? It's kind of this Dutch-looking town that has all these restaurants. It's a tourist town, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it is it's, cool. Um, every time I go, I have to go to the candy shop and get like you know candied apples and things like that. So it's really it, cool. It is fun. It's very touristy, <laughs> yeah. and you know, walk around and window shop and and the eat and drink and, and the, do things. And the donut about, things are good. They're really good. Yeah. Kind of reminds 40? me of their version of what the beignets in uh, New Orleans. Yeah, it's yeah. about forty minutes north of Santa Barbara. So if you get a flight, you can you can fly into LA, but it's a heck of a drive. Oh, I it, and it's a nasty drive. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a three hour with no traffic, and then add LA to it. So yeah. I would say if you can fly, I've actually gone there and flown into not Frisco, Fresno. Fresno. I flew into Fresno once and, and rented a car and drove down. And I've also flown into Santa Barbara and I've flown into Can LA you take a Uber from Santa Barbara Airport or is it too far? You can. Okay. I will tell you that if you're going to Uber on a, say, you know, Friday 
and then you're going to Uber on a Sunday. It'd be just cheaper to rent a car. Four thousand dollars. That's I, like- I I took the Uber one time and it was like seventy bucks or a Lyft. It was Uber was like two fifty and Lyft was like seventy. So I I, I that's what I did. All right, very good. Well, that's uh, that's the details. You can find the links there. We're going to go to our first guest now. We're going to welcome the World Equestrian Center as our new title sponsor on Woo-hoo. Mondays. Well, as I said, we're thrilled to welcome our new title sponsor for Mondays here on Horses in the Morning. And that title sponsor is the World Equestrian Center. And we have Vinny here, who's the director of operations over there, and who I've met a couple of times and basically has been involved in the whole build-out operation over there. And many of you, our listeners now, have visited it. Thank you, Vinny, for joining us this morning, and welcome to the show. Good morning, Glenn. Thanks for having us here. We are um, extremely excited about our new partnership here. Well, we're glad to have you. I've spent enough money over there now that I just feel like I'm getting some of it back because we eat over there all the time. We're going to talk about everything involving the World Equestrian Center. First of all, I took a tour with you early on when you were building it. And let me tell you what, it has exceeded all expectations. I have not seen a negative comment from somebody that's been to the World Equestrian Center. And I we have a lot of listeners that have visited. I hope you're pretty proud of what you've done because you've worked your butt off to get there. Well, we are pretty proud of what we've done here, uh, myself and our team here work extremely hard to to make sure everybody has a pleasant experience here and is is happy throughout their visit. And and Jamie, not only that, they they were building this at the beginning of COVID. So you mm-hmm. did this at one of the most difficult times in history to build a property of this scale. Yeah, that's right. Yes, it was a challenge at times, but uh all of our contractors and our in-house team here all pulled together and found the resources and were able to pull it off in time. If you haven't seen the pictures yet, I'm sure everybody in the horse world has seen the pictures, but if you haven't seen the pictures yet, just go to World Equestrian. It's worldequestriancenter.com. Well, we go over there a lot. Let, let me talk. I always talk about food first, so we're going to talk about that. Because usually <laughs> at horse show venues, we don't brag about food. The Food usually stinks, to be honest. This is the best food in the world at a horse show venue. There's like seven different restaurants. We've tried most of them now, except for the very fancy one in the hotel. Um, But I got to tell you, you have the best food in in horse show venues, period. Well, we do have a very extensive team of chefs here on site for our seven restaurants, and they're all top-notch in their field. So there's a lot of walking to be done after eating in the restaurants here for myself anyways. That is true, because to get around the World Equestrian Center, you do a lot of walking. It's so large. Uh, we usually eat at the Italian one. That's the one we end up eating at all the time. And I see a lot of pizza boxes floating around, so I'm guessing that's one of the most popular ones over there. It is with uh, Viola and Dots. Yep. I have right. to tell you, you have to try the meatballs because the meatballs are pretty good. I too. did. I and they have the gluten for all the gluten free people out there. The gluten free pasta is some of the best gluten free pasta. I got to find out which one they have because it's some of the best gluten free pasta I've ever eaten. We get it almost every time we go over there. But the horse shows are full. I mean, you have thousands of horses there right now. Between dressage and jumping is there almost every day right now. We have some of our hosts that are jumping over there, and nobody say nobody says anything bad about it. They they all love the facilities, the, and it just seems to be running pretty smoothly right now. Yes, we're very fortunate. We have a, a great turnout here this year for our Hunter Jumper Series, our Winter Spectacular. And also this week coming up, we have Dressage uh, coming um, back here in Arena 1 and 2 for this week. And it's also going to return in uh, Week 10. So our, uh, our winter is uh, going very well. 
So, Jamie, to give you an idea of how many people have registered for classes, Kayla, who hosts the show once a month doing our sales and breeding episode, has been showing mm-hmm. over there. And she was in Friday night's Grand Prix class, I think it was. And she said she was number 78 or 68 or 78. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. That's, <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> the numbers are there. The horses are there. That's for sure. <laughs> that's a long night. Uh, when you're doing that much jumping, but it, it it it's beautiful because where they have the main arena where they're doing the jumping is right in front of the hotel. And it's a five star hotel, and it's just a cool setting. I haven't been there at night yet. We've only been there during the day watching shows. I got to get over there at night one of these times. What I also noticed, and what I've said since the beginning, is uh, you know telling the listeners that this is going to be more than just horses. There, I noticed you have a car auction coming up. You have a lot of non-horse events coming in now, and you might as well. Speaking you have the facilities of for yeah non-horse events. Yeah. I am on your website right now, Uh-oh. which is a whack. We just talked about it, but it's also WorldEquestrianCenter dot com, and I'm on there. And so I looked at schedule to see what's coming up, and my son is eight years old, and he would kill. To come to the ninth annual Northeast Florida Lego League Regional Championships. <laughs> There's a Lego building championship. That's so cool. That is going to be pretty fun. <laughs> well, the expo centers are huge. I mean, they just are huge. Uh, so it's conducive to having all of these things. Now, I wanted to talk to you. you got some building. Are you allowed to say what's happening in front? There's a lot of building still going on in front uh, on that one frontage road out there. Are you allowed to say what that is? Yeah, I believe we're going to let a press release out here soon. And uh, that's when everybody will be able to find out. But uh, we are going to have a press release coming out soon of what's, uh, what's ahead here. All right, he's not giving us a sneak peek. I tried. Are they building it out of Legos, Glenn? Is it out of Legos? Yeah, are you building it out of big Legos? Really big Big Legos. Legos. That's a recruiting event that we're having. (laughs) I love it. We're going to get those kits in there. They're good. They can come on to work here. One of the things we can talk about, and I don't know if you're involved directly in this, but you guys also bought the Polo Club. And there were some announcements about really making that into a world-class eventing center. That's about 1,000 acres, and there has been eventing on it in the past. But you guys are kicking it up a notch over there, too. Yeah, we are. We have a team of uh, some of our team over there cleaning uh, the property up at the moment and um, preparing it for uh, future events that we um, we haven't really nailed the schedule down or anything quite yet for that venue. But uh, we are preparing some stuff over there, some minor stuff. And I minor stuff. I read an 8000 seat stadium was applied for. <laughs> minor yeah, minor things we're just going to build an 8,000 seat stadium over there for the eventers which by the way will be about the same size as the Kentucky Horse Park so if you have an idea of how big a stadium 8,000 seats is it's probably a little bigger actually than Kentucky Horse Park but that that's going to be a world class venue too and that's how many how far is that from World Equestrian Center to the Polo Club 10 minutes 15 uh, World Equestrian Center to the Ocala Jockey Club probably about 15, 20 minutes, I think. Jockey Club, yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's cool. I I am so excited for everything that's happening over there. I know it's only going to improve and get better. We're going to be talking about some of the things happening and have some people on that have competed there over the next several weeks. Uh, congratulations. I, last time I talked to you, it was not finished. So congratulations. It, it's absolutely amazing what you've accomplished. Well, we uh, we appreciate uh, being uh, partners with you. And Jamie and Glenn, thank you very much for having us on this morning. And we look forward to seeing you guys here soon. Well, next up, we have somebody I'm very excited to talk about and talk to. We 
a couple of weeks ago talked about how they were trying to get para jumping as one of the para disciplines here in the United States and Canada. And that we've covered para since we started this show 12 years ago. We're very active with the para community. One of our spotlight riders this year is a para rider, Char- Charlotte Merrill Smith. And uh, when I saw that Ren Blaze Zimmerman was really making a push to get para jumping as part of the para competitions here and is going to be doing demonstrations at Land Rover in April, I said, I got to get her on. And the other amazing thing is, uh, Ren, tell us why you're a para. Yeah, so I am considered a para because I am legally blind, um, visually impaired. I was diagnosed at 17 years old with a rare and curable eye disease called Stargardt's macular dystrophy, also known as Stargardt's macular degeneration. How tough was that at 17? Pretty tough. Um, When you live your entire life, able-bodied, and then one of your senses gets taken away from you, essentially, um, you have to relearn how to live, essentially. And my um, eyesight is actually progressive degenerative, so that means it does get worse over time. So the hardest part of this is that as it gets worse, I'm constantly having to relearn how to live or changing um, what works for me, essentially. So it's, it's been a, a journey, to say the least. Can I ask how old you are now, just for reference? Absolutely. I'm 32 years old. Okay. So you've been dealing with this for 15 years or so. Um, Yeah. And where is it at now? Can you see anything at this point? So I have some, um, a little bit of usable vision. And something that people don't know is that the term legally blind um, means 2200 eyesight or worse, even with the aid of corrective lenses. So about 90% of people that are blind do have some sort of usable vision, whether that's blurry peripheral vision, blurry central vision, being able to um, tell if it's light or dark outside, so light perception, and it kind of manifests itself in different ways for different people. So, of course, you know where I'm going with this. It's the same thing, because the same place everybody goes with this, but I have to ask because the listeners are wondering. Uh, So, even with blurry vision, I don't want to be jumping big jumps. So, how do you accomplish that? (laughs) Yeah, so it's a pretty extensive process. Um, Just to take a step back for a minute, what I do see is actually very similar to a horse. So, my central vision is totally blank, and then my peripheral vision is very, very blurry. So I can't make out any detail. I can't see um, facial expressions, who people are, um, reading, you know, seeing words on a sign, whatever it might be. I can pretty much make out blobs of color as long as there's more contrasting colors. So the larger the surface area of that color and the more contrast, the easier it is for me to make out like a blob of green, for example, if that's um, the color of a jump. And so a lot of like all the light colors kind of blend together into white and all dark colors kind of blend together into black. And so the problem with that then is that if there's an object that's one of those colors, I don't see it at all because it just blends in with the background. So all that being said, um, going back to your question, I have a pretty extensive process to learning courses. Um, I go into the arena with an aide before I ever get on the horse, and I essentially go through the jumps. I'll stand at each jump. The aide will tell me about um, 10 feet away at this angle, he'll, he'll hold my hand at different angles. It's a blue jump, seven feet away at this angle, the red jump, etc. So I have a pretty good mental map of where all the objects in the arena are. Then I'll go back to the beginning. I'll learn the progression of the jumps, um, essentially just knowing what jumps I'm going to do in order. So I know the green first, red second, blue third. Then I go back to the beginning, um, and I start learning the actual striding the way anyone else would count. 
So whereas most people are just counting their lines, I'm picking essentially um, points on the horizon or markers where I need to know where to turn. So while I can't see um, the dip in the horizon where maybe there's a dip in the tree line, out of my peripheral vision, I can kind of make out this like blurry blob of blue that comes down into the green of the trees. So I'll pick points like that to know to point straight to each jump. Um, Another example is if there is like a, a sign on the rail, for example, and I know it's a Voltaire sign. So it's that blue color. So that blob, I know to take a 90 degree angle right at that. So I took all these points, um, markers for memorizing, go back again and do the striding, as I said, counting out the strides, of course, and knowing that two feet um, or two strides off the jump, I need to take a 70 degree angle left sort of thing. So it's this very extensive process and repetition um, to make sure that I know exactly where I'm going in that arena when I go in on the horse. So, Jamie, most people have a tough time just remembering what the course is. I'm <laughs> I was just thinking that. I'm like, my God, you're like, oh, most people see their line and they go around. I'm like, I don't, I forget all of it. Actually, that's why show jumping is so much better for me because in the eventing world, they put numbers on the jumps and I'm like, I'm not supposed to be at number six yet. Uh, so <laughs> right. you, you definitely have a lot more that you have to worry about and work on. And that is like, wow, that's amazing because I'm looking at your photos and these are not little jumps. These are huge jumps. <laughs> oh, thank you. So you and have yeah, to have a, an experience. What kind um, of horse? I, to, I do have to say. Yeah, go ahead. Well, really quickly, I'm going to cut you off. I do have to say that I forget my courses all the time because <laughs> I'm so focused on everything else that there have been times I've kind of come off a jump and I like yell at my trainer, where am I supposed to go? And sometimes he'll forget, he'll say the oxer, and I'm thinking, I can't see which one the oxer <laughs> You know, so we definitely have a lot of mishaps like that. <laughs> but sorry, what were you going to say? Your horse, too, has to be special. Now, we've talked a lot about para horses in the past. They all have to be special. Um, mm-hmm. But your horse, it's almost a matter of, talk about mutual trust. You're also counting on your horse. I mean, you're counting strides, yeah, but you're counting on your horse to get that jump right, too. Mm-hmm. More Absolutely, so than yeah. than, he, than a sighted rider, right? Exactly. Yeah, um, he's an interesting horse. He, I call him my seeing eye horse. So you're <laughs> correct in that. Um, he's a little bit older now, actually. He's turning 19 this year. Um, but he is an X Grand Prix horse, and despite what people might think, you know, they see oh, X Grand Prix horse, he must be a babysitter and does everything for her. Um, he's actually incredibly difficult, um, and multiple pros have have told me this as well, where he's not an easy horse to ride. He jumps really hard. Um, and I found him because he was sitting in a field because multiple people sent him back from leaves and couldn't ride him, apparently. Um, so when I got him, I kind of worked through, he, he had some, um, a few like PTSD issues, I think back from his Grand Prix days and some of the training methods they used. Um, so he, he almost seemed like he didn't really trust people. Um, and it took a few months for him to kind of come out of his shell, and he's turned into a different horse. And, I mean, the reason I got him, despite all of the other stuff, was that he would go over anything, no matter what angle it's at, no matter what distance. I mean, I have videos of him where we're pointed about five feet to the right of the jump, and he'll crank left to make sure we go over it at the last minute. Um, wow. So he's a pretty amazing horse. He's incredibly athletic, um, very smart, and just, I mean, he's amazing. <laughs> so why is there not para-jumping? And just paradressage? That is a good question. (laughs) Very good question. Um, A few reasons, I think. Uh, First and foremost, you know, there's no proof of concept. And so for a lot of people that don't 
I guess most people have never interacted with, with someone with a disability, which is completely understandable. But because of that, no one has seen people with disabilities jumping horses. I mean, there's a few of us out there that are doing it, but for the most part, most of the equestrian world just isn't familiar with it. And I think isn't comfortable with it because of that. So that's one side to it. Um, the other side is that for the creation of a new sport, that is a movement that has to be pushed through by someone. And because the regulating bodies don't recognize that sport yet, of course, the people that are working for those organizations aren't getting paid to work on new sports. They're getting paid to work on the ones that already exist. So um, Great Britain actually was at the forefront of this movement, and they already recognized parachute jumping um, quite a while ago, actually. And then they got some other countries on board. I think there were people from France, Germany, some Canadians had gone over there. And so they actually had a European parachute jumping league. Um, so I had heard about that and sort of thought, you know, this is amazing. Why don't we have this here? So I had, I had the same question you did. Um, and uh, again, a little backstory on myself. I only started riding as an adult. I didn't have the opportunity to ride growing up. So it wasn't until after college, I started riding at a therapeutic riding center. And my dream had always been to learn how to ride and jump horses. And so from there, I kind of pivoted into the jumper world. Um, and I thought, why don't we have this? And so in 2015, which was seven years ago now, I actually started learning about it, advocating for it. I reached out to um, Great Britain and Riding for the Disabled, their organization over there. I started reaching out to the government bodies here and just kind of trying to learn how to do this, what needed to be done, and started putting it, you know, on people's radar. Well, I got to say real yeah. quick, Glenn, because we have a new auditor that just came in. Her name is Deirdre and she is a, she has a disability as well. And she, when we talked about this the first time she wrote, mm -hmm. you did a segment on para jumpers and I literally yelled in my car. It's about time. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> she says it, I that love she, that. you know, she was so, yes, I really want para jumpers to happen. So you do have people that are also, you know, doing show jumping with disabilities and it's just phenomenal phenomenal Absolutely. how much more difficult that has to be i mean my god it's scary enough Let, let's just put <laughs> that out there and you're doing it and and then you're like let's take on the world and make this a thing so way to go well thank you i appreciate that so, you know something i have to say really yeah. quickly and i, I want to get all this information in there that's okay is that um actually i was talking to a para jumper the other day that i had just connected with and she herself asked me well, why para-jumping if some of us are already participating against able-bodied riders? And what's really important to know is that there are those of us out there that are fortunate enough that we can compete in the able-bodied realm. But we're already, as, as you said, Jamie, you know, at a disadvantage. We're having to do all this extra stuff, and it's not really a level playing field, although many of us are successful. But more importantly, there are those that, you know, their disability is so... Um, extreme or they need so much accommodation or dispensation so they just can't compete at those horse shows. They need special enough accommodations that they need their own place where they can be included. Um, and essentially, you know, uh, para show jumping would provide those opportunities. And then on the flip side is also the training side of things. So there are so many hunter jumper trainers out there that aren't willing to take on riders with disabilities because they don't know anything about it and there aren't any resources for them. They can't go to the governing bodies to, for the governing bodies to say, it's okay that you don't know, we'll help you along the way. So I think by making this an official sport, it's going to open up resources both on the training side as well as the competition side. 
that was well said. And you know, you could say the same for a pair of dressage. I mean, they can compete exactly. over on the dressage side too. It's the same argument, right? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, I I'm excited that you. Well, let me ask you the final question. Then is how far along are you, and is there any chance in the near future of getting this here in the United States and Canada? There absolutely is. Yes. Um, and I can't divulge a whole lot of this because it's kind of private um, and the governing body. Nobody's listening. You know, it's just Jamie and I. Right, you, nobody's right. listening. We're fine. You can. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. That being said, I have connected with the governing bodies here in the U.S. and they are very open to this idea. They're very supportive of it. Um, we've had multiple conversations, both in person, on the phone, about how to move forward. They actually gave me the okay to move forward with the demonstration classes. Um, So they are on board as far as that goes. These demonstrations are one of the last things, it's my understanding, that they kind of want to see before deciding if they want to move forward with regulating the sport and adding it to the rule book. And then from there, of course, there's a whole new host of uh, challenges to face. And those include things like getting show organizers to include these para-show jumping classes then. Um, So it's going to be a long road ahead. I mean, we're just at the beginning, even though I'm already seven years in. Um, But there is definitely hope for that. So so the answer to your question is yes. (laughs) Yay! Good. Well, we wish you the best. I hope this goes through. I don't see why it shouldn't. You know, it should be part of it because you guys can do it. So it's, it's, you know, it should be part of it. And if people want to see you, you'll be at, you'll be at Land Rover and you'll be doing demonstrations there. And I noticed that Rebecca Hart, who's been on the show many times, four-time Paralympian dressage rider, Mm -hmm. are you going to get her jumping? You know, I would love to. We will see what we can do. Okay, good. <laughs> good. That would be great to see. <laughs> well, thank you, Ren. We really appreciate it. And where can people go? Do you have a place they can go to help you, support, or do anything? Absolutely, yes. So on the parachute jumping side of things, um, we have a Facebook page called Parachute Jumping North America. We also have a new um, Instagram and TikTok called Parachute Jumping. And then um, on my personal side, it's Renblay, W-R-E-N-B-L-A-E. I have Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well um, under Renblay Equestrian for that last one. And if anyone's interested in donating, they can do that on those pages or they can reach out to me directly. Thanks, Ren. You're you're a good spokesperson for this. I'm glad you're doing it. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. We'd like to thank our sponsor, American Harvest, for being a part of the show. Is your horse showing signs of nervousness, inflammation, pain, or digestive issues? If so, American Harvest products might be the solution you need. This Montana-based company develops the highest quality hemp products and offers a line specifically for horses, including CBD oil, premium hemp extract, and equine hemp-derived pellets. American Harvest natural equine hemp pellets are vet-formulated and produced from natural hemp. The pelleted formula is manufactured with potent raw CBD using no chemical processing, so your horse will love the taste as much as you'll love the benefits. Look for the full line of American Harvest products at your local equine shop or any Hubbard dealer or online at store.altech.com. And also every month, American Harvest is offering an exclusive giveaway for you, our Horse Radio Network listeners. One lucky winner will receive a 90-day supply of American Harvest equine products for free. You can check out today's show notes for details on how to enter. 
I'm so happy to welcome to the show one of our Beyond the Ribbons Spotlight writers, Rachel Rosenthal. Rachel, tell everybody where in the world you are again. <laughs> in the very windy Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> Las Vegas, baby. Uh, now you are taking us on a journey of your competitions with your yearling paint filly named Poppy. And uh, as I understand it, you had a big competition this past weekend. How did that go? <laughs> yeah. Um, so Miss Poppy, as uh, baby horses are wont to do, came down with the fabulous um, virus, the infamous baby horse snot. Um, <laughs> the crud. The crud. Uh, is that the is official almost, name, baby horse snot crud virus? Is that? Uh, yes. Yeah. It's the, I think it's the equivalent of when you send your kid off to daycare for the first time and they come home and you're like, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's the BHSC virus, Glenn. Baby okay. horse yeah. snot crud virus. Yeah, I'll have, some, I'll have a bet on to talk about that at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, you know, you can vaccinate. She's vaccinated. We did all the things. But I, I think it's just something that baby horses you know, end up going through while their immune systems develop and stuff. But, um, so she had a, she was, yeah, I was on stall rest for about a week so that she didn't oh. share the joy, but luckily out here, we don't have box stalls. We have big corrals. So it wasn't as horrible as, you know, if she were just in a box stall, but we did end up not going to the show just Aww. to be on the safe side. I mean, it's cleared up. It's been cleared up mostly for a couple of days, but we just wanted to make sure. See, Rachel, it's like when I had baby Zara and she was going to go to the inspection and I've been working and working and working, getting her to lead and trot alongside me in the triangle and all this. And it's the morning of the inspection. I go over and she's like, I'm going to die. I'm dying. And you're just like, (laughs) one expectation of you and you've now ruined it. So, yeah, you're like, I'm um, beyond the ribbon spotlight writer, Poppy, and I have to come on the show and talk about what we did. And now you've ruined that. I actually was doing that. I was like, Poppy, we have to go to the show. You have X amount of days to be better. And she's like, oh, I'll be fine. That's cool. And then it kept getting closer. And I'm like, sweetheart, you don't understand. <laughs> and then, this is a big deal, Poppy. Yeah. You're this is a big There's deal. thousands of people You're following kind- you now. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of a big deal. I mean, I was, I was pretty lucky. She never had a fever. She never really went off her feed. It was just, you know, crud. Yeah. So I wasn't on the first episode. So Rachel, tell us what you've been doing with her to prepare for and what classes you were good. Make believe Ah. you went. Uh, We'll make believe you won. Pretend Um, your plans were crushed and your hopes and dreams were smashed. So what kind of training were you doing and what classes were you going to go to? Well, we were working towards um, halter, the in-hand classes, because she is only 10 months old. So this at this point, it's just about getting her out and seeing things and learning how not to be feral in public. And, um, <laughs> you know, those important lessons. But we were going to go and do a halter class, which is where, you know, the judge uh, judges you on confirmation against the breed standard and how nicely you trot. I don't think manners are super high. I was going to ask because I, manners. I, I've never really watched a halter class, to be honest. So. Is it mostly just beauty and looks, or do they judge personality? No, it's beauty and looks. Okay. Um, some breeds <laughs> are actually judged on fire as well. Some of the uh, more saddle seat type breeds, Arabs and things like that. But little paint fillies are not really judged on fire. They're they're judged on how nicely they're put together and things like that. Um, 
there, there's two types of in-hand classes. There's halter, which is judged 100% on the horse and how nicely they're put together. And then there's showmanship, which is another in-hand class that's judged solely on how well you do a pattern together in hand and how nicely your horse is groomed and how well you show it off. That's a little complicated. It involves things like pivots and trotting and patterns. So that's a little above our pay grade at this point. So we were just going to do the halter. And uh, Let me be clear. Yeah, is it above your pay grade or above the horse's pay grade? Oh, definitely both. Okay. I have two left feet, and she would be like, what? Pivoting? No, no. Yeah. So I'm glad you explained that. I never really knew the difference. Yeah. Showmanship is on you and the pattern. It's performance class on the ground, and then halters how pretty you are. Now, it's <laughs> so. not like when you show cows, you don't have to wear white, right? Um. Um, there are some breeds that you do. I believe really? Peruvian Pasos, they have to, they have to wear all white, like the dairy, the dairy show people. Huh. At least I, I'm pretty sure they do. It's been a few years since I've been to a Peruvian Paso show, but yeah. I remember the first time we went to the Pennsylvania farm show and I saw the cows getting shown, which is definitely an in-hand class. Um, oh yeah. And I saw them all in white and and then I, I had to ask because I was pretty young, and I was told it was because the milkman wears white. That's why they had to wear that's white, but I'm not cute. sure that's true. <laughs> you know, I've, I've never understood the the logistics of the dairy showing industry because you have all of these children, because usually it's kids who show the cows. You know, it's 4-H and youth classes. So you have all of these little kids showing all of these gigantic dairy cows because they're huge, and they put them in white. Like, that's just... So raw, like these poor. And there's kids. nothing dirtier than a horse than a cow. <laughs> Cows, <laughs> and they're like, we're gonna put you in white just to make your life even more complicated. Yeah, I've I always felt kind of sorry for the dairy kids. I was like, oof, good luck. <laughs> may, the, may the odds be in your favor. Yes. <laughs> so what do you, what's your next plan? Well, our next plan, um, we have another show in a month, exactly a month, where we're going to try the halter thing again. At our, it's a local, it's a local show. There's a lot of people go. It's it's really nice. It's good organization. So we heard that Galway is offering the future event horse classes, which is an in hand class. And a friend of mine also has a young horse, so we thought that all that could be a really fun thing to go do. You know, you trot the triangle and stand them up and get a score sheet. And I figured, you know, a horse trial is probably a really, really good atmosphere to experience as a baby, right? Yeah, so right. We might go why not? That too. <laughs> what could yeah, possibly go wrong? We'll, we'll do two completely opposite, dis- you know, disciplines at once. But And then um, after that, we have another show, halter show here in town. So... We'll see. We did get to go on a field trip before we got sick. We got to go over to uh, a, our trainer's um, place, and she was an absolute saint. She trotted around in hand like a pro. We got to trot over some poles, and she was just a really good girl. So she's she's got a great mind. She's a sweetheart, so I can't complain at all. Well, Rachel, I'm so excited to follow along with your journey, and I wish you and Poppy the best of luck. I mean, she is the perfect angel. Baby loves sweetie, kissy face, smooches. Uh, so please give her a smooch on the nose from us and keep us posted. Absolutely. Thank you so much. 
Well, we've got to end the show today, but I do want to let everybody know. I talked last week, Glenn, when you were gone about a dumb injury, like something I did. Did you get hurt again? Yeah, yeah, but it was stupid and and misery loves company. So I went and I put up a Facebook post saying, hey, uh, anybody else had any dumb injuries? And these people far exceeded anything I had done. Like, (laughs) it was amazing, first of all, how, like... Well, number one, not stupid. I don't want to say stupid, but we're all kind of stupid. Like there's a little crazy in all of us for doing what we do. Plus the fact of like the human body is very fragile. So I learned a lot. So we're going to cover that on Wednesday's show because Glenn had a little bit too much booked for today. So we're going to cover all those and he hasn't read them and Glenn don't. No, I haven't read them. I don't even know what yours was. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm all healed. The knee brace is off. Well, on the post show, I'll talk about one of my injuries that didn't involve a horse last week. Oh, see, that's what we want to hear. We that, That's what we'll talk a little bit more about Wednesday. So stick around for that. Come back and visit us for that. And that's why we didn't have any equestrian first world problems, because I prepared all of our real world problems, <laughs> our injuries. Well, join us on Wednesday for that. Tomorrow, we have the Horse Illustrated episode. They'll be here for their once a month visit. She always has terrific guests. So you can look forward to that tomorrow. Thank you for joining us. Of course, you can find all the information that you need at horseradionetwork.com horsesinthemorning.com. If you want to become an auditor and catch the post show, which we're going to right after the music, then head over there as well. We need one new auditor every week, so you be the one. Don't wait. Head on over there. It's $3 a month, and it's worth it. Join today. It's worth it. It's worth it. Prizes and content and all the things. Spain, neuter, geld, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>